Um, we are jumping into a brand new series, a brand new series called Getting Past Your Past. And when, um, you know, I'm, I'm not that creative. I didn't come up with this. I stole this totally from, um, from Craig Rochelle. He's got some awesome things. And so we're going to go through this series together. But when I was looking at this, I, what I try to do when I'm, I'm looking at different, you know, topics and things like that that we can jump into is I try to think about things that, man, that we all can kind of, you know, connect with and, and, and uh, dig into together. And I don't know about you guys, but we, uh, my, my past was one of the things that crippled me for saying yes to God's purposes in my life. Because every time I wanted to, or every time I thought about it, I remembered the enemy reminded me that all of my friends knew that I was at the bar, like last week, you know. Or they, they reminded me that I was, I, I had hurt people and I had destroyed relationships. And I thought, man, there's no way that I deserve or that I would be effective in ministry because of the things that I have done. And so my past crippled me. I had these labels and these lies and um, just things that, that got in the way and, and prevented me from the freedom of just surrendering to Christ's purposes for my life. So I don't know if you've been there. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever uh, had somebody hurt you or lie to you or betray you or, or something like that. Maybe you hurt somebody. Maybe you hurt somebody. You lied to somebody. You betrayed somebody. And so maybe you're like cloaked in like shame over these things. I tell you, when I came to Colorado to answer God's call in my life, I was cloaked in many layers of shame because I knew all the things that I had done, all the things in my past, and I really struggled to get past my past. So um, raise your hand real quick if you're one of our leaders in middle school or high school. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good number of you guys. We just got back from summer camp, like, uh, was it like last week? It was like last week, right? Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago? Jeez, okay. Anyway, if you were there, you would have heard um, TJ say this thing. I thought it was pretty good. He said that secrets can be the one of the biggest things driving a wedge between you and Jesus. And I thought, man, that is so true because every time, you know, I wanted to draw close to Christ or I wanted to, you know, head in a new path or whatever, I, there were those things that were there, like those deep, dark recesses of my heart that I was holding on to. I hadn't shared because I was ashamed of them. And those things kept me from being really intimate with Christ and, and pursuing him in a new way. Obviously, they're part of your past, right? Secrets or, or, or things that you've done. But also, we, we kind of see them as something that kind of influences how other people see us, right? That's why we have shame around those things. So maybe for you, it's a secret. Maybe it's bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. You know, maybe uh, you are on the other end of somebody hurt you, and, and it's just hard to get past that season, that hurt, and to, to come into a new place of, of forgiveness. And um, that's obviously a, a thing we're going to talk about in the next 
few weeks. We're also going to talk about how to get past your own failures and mistakes. This was a huge one for me. I remember sitting across from one of my profs at Bible school, and I wanted so badly to um, to go into ministry. I knew God was calling me into ministry, but at this point in time, I'd already battled addiction to alcohol. I'd gone through divorce. Um, my life was trash, and uh, at, at the time, like it had it had crumbled down around me. These were in like the first few uh, months of saying yes to Christ, and I'm sitting across for my, pop, my prof, and I said to him, I said, man, I don't know how in the world I could ever say anything meaningful to any couple that's married because I've been through divorce, and I let this label just define who I am, and it was like a week later that I got a job, we're going to talk, talk about um, some of the jobs that I've had actually in my life. But it was like a week later, I walked in for the first day at my new job at, at Phil Long. And my manager was like, hey, uh, you know, cool, nice to meet you. Why are you here? And I said, I'm going to Bible college. And he just started weeping. I'm talking about ugly crying, snot bubbles, everything, right? I mean, he was weeping and he said, God won't let me go. And I said, oh, cool, nice to meet you. All right, here we go. <laughs> and, and I said, tell me more about what's going on. And he said, my wife walked out and moved out last night. And I got to watch God restore their marriage over the next six months as we, honestly, I just listened. It wasn't anything special that I said or anything, but God was destroying these labels that I had let define who I am. And uh, so we're going to talk about that tonight is breaking these labels that bind us. They bind us, don't they? They imprison us. They hold us back. They hold us back. Somewhere in the past, and you probably remember these moments, right? You probably remember them very clearly because we replay these moments in our head. But somewhere, somewhere in the past, someone said something to you, called you a name, categorized you in some way, shape, or form, and it hurt. It cut deep, and it became like a truth that had embedded itself in your mind. We are living under these Labels. And what I want to ask you tonight is what is that negative label behind your name? What is that negative label behind your name? So, um, so it's funny, uh, working with Jeremy and Jack and all these guys around here, we like get into different things like we're painting something or then we're moving a trailer and then we're doing this. And, and like I'll jump in and I'll be like, yeah, I had this job doing this and this. And, I, and they're like, what? You? And, and, and it'd be like something crazy, like making postage stamps. And they're like, what? You you had a job making post, what? And then I'll be like, yeah, and then I had a job as a repo guy, you know. And they're like, dude, what? And I'll be like, yeah, and then I had my uh, Series 6 and 63 um, security broker's license, and I used to, you know, help people invest money. And, you know, and they're like, what? And so I just want to I've never done this before, so it was actually really funny when I did it. But I'm going to go through every job I've ever had. You guys ready? I'm going to try to go through this kind of fast because there's a lot. In fact, it wouldn't all fit on the same page. All right, so here we go. You guys ready for this? All right, my very first job when I was 16, I got my license. I worked as a telemarketer. My very next job, you can go ahead and click through these. Domino's, I made pizza. And then for AP Hill, I built tents. I built tents, literally. Um, we were actually in the, I was in the newspaper because we built like something like, 
Do you guys know what GP mediums are? Anybody? It's like an old kind of army tent. It's huge. It's supposed to take like five or six people to put them up. And they had us like teams of two. But anyway, um, tent builder. Um, I did actually make U.S. postage stamps at one point in time. All right. uh, Next one. (laughs) I was also a box truck driver. All right. Next one. I also made sunrooms. (laughs) All right. Next one. I was also a sales associate. I sold um, security systems at people's homes. And then after that, I became a certified financial planner. (laughs) I got my life and health insurance license. I had my mortgage broker license. I had my Series 6 and 63. And I literally sat down with people in Montgomery County, Maryland, one of the most wealthy counties in the United States. And we sat in these like $4 million homes that were empty because they had gone broke. They had no money. They had to sell everything off. And I was helping them invest their money toward the future. That was an interesting one. And then I worked for this company called Homeland Enterprise. My former uh, father-in-law, he had a big real estate business, and I just did research for him. And then I started my own company called First Discovery Apartment Locators, and uh, I did that for a while and then decided that wasn't for me. And then I started working for a company called Aaron's, okay? Um, And if you know this company, it's like retail, but it's like you can get stuff. You don't have to qualify for it with your credit Yeah, it's kind of a racket. Um, I was the retail manager, and what they did was, is because you're the manager, you're in charge of recovering the merchandise that you rented somebody that they're no longer paying on. So I also got to go and repossess all that stuff. Sounds horrible. I was really, really good at it. Um, And then I worked for Crusaders. Um, Same exact thing. Crazy story between those two companies about not burning bridges. If you ever want to hear it, talk to me. Um, But I literally, this is the crazy thing, okay? Um, Okay, this was all before, okay, hold on, back up real quick, back up. This was before I met Jesus, okay? These were my BC days, okay? I hope that you see a picture of somebody who is just searching for something or, or running away from something that they know they're supposed to do and they hadn't said yes yet. So they're like, yo, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing. And I'm going to do this thing. And I'm going to do this thing. And I'm going to do this thing. And, and that was my life all through my 20s, all through my 20s. Okay. And then, um, yeah, so there, yeah, there, I did really bad stuff. There was a, I remember... I remember um, repossessing, this is like for reals, kind of heavy stuff. I remember repossessing bunk beds out of this house. And as I'm carrying it out, this little kid grabbed me on the leg and he said, where am I supposed to sleep tonight? We repossessed a stove out of an old lady's house on Thanksgiving. Why? Because we knew she'd be using it and she'd be home. It was ugly. It was disgusting. And you had to be basically a soulless bastard to be good at it. And I was because I was buried in alcohol. I I had a, a, a horrible, toxic relationship. I was breaking relationships left and right. I didn't know Jesus. And I was just a shell of a human being just making that money. And this job paid really good. Anyway, I was at this job when I met Christ. And, like, I'll never forget, um, God started changing my heart. 
And so I'm going and doing these repossessions, and I'm like, man, I, I still had to do this, right, because it's kind of my job, and I'm praying that God would change things. And he started to show me that my path was to come here to Colorado to go to Bible school to, see, to get equipped for ministry. And uh, this whole time, um, I'm having to continue to do this job, and it's wrecking me every day. So I'm doing this, I'm going and collecting money, and it's really dangerous, and like all these different things, and I just started like weeping every day. I, like I would call my parents in the truck, driving away with a bunch of merchandise in my truck that I just repossessed, and I would call my parents just weeping on the phone because I couldn't do it anymore. God was transforming my heart. God was changing who I am. So then I came to Colorado. The very first job I got, satellite dish installer. Um, that was a lot of fun. I was, uh, you know, hanging off the side of people's houses. My office was, like, on top of people's roofs. And you see all kinds of weird things on people's roofs, by the way. Um, anyway, yeah, so then uh, I became a service manager at Phil Long in Colorado Springs. And that was really cool. Um, this was the job where the guy wept like a... a, a you know, ugly crying, and, and I started there and became the service manager and, and basically stepped into his position. And this job was God's provision in my life for while I was in Bible school. And then I worked for a landscaping company, and then I was a door dasher, <laughs> and then, yay, I landed here at Crossroads. <laughs> It's okay to laugh at myself, right? Is that okay? Listen, here's what I want to tell you. The label that I held on to for a long time was like, man, I am the jack of all trades. Say it with me. Jack of all trades, master of none. I was average Joe. Man, I could, I could do all kinds of random weird crap, like install a satellite dish on your house. But I was average at it because I did that job for like six months. Or I could do all these other things, like random weird things. I could, I don't even remember, I don't know. But, but I could do them all like, okay, I wasn't like an expert. Like, you know, if you, if you said, hey, I got this thing wrong with my car, I could probably help you diagnose it a little bit, but I'm not like an expert. I'm okay at that. And that was like the, the defining term of my life for a long time when I, when I did step into ministry and I walked in the door and I'm excited because I feel like God's got plans for my life and I'm here and I'm like, I guess I'm just kind of average because I'm not really good at any one thing. Now, maybe you like... And I've talked to a bunch of you guys, you know, right out of high school, you know what you want, you go for it, you go to college for it, and you're like an expert at that thing. This is not where you ended up, you know. Um, but this is, this was my, kind of my path. And, and I was like letting this label of being like the average person, not being really good at any one thing, like define, it, it hurt me in even building relationships with people. It took me a long time to really open up. I'm an, intro, I'm an introvert, believe it or not. And um, when I first started here at Crossroads, I mean, it took me like two or three years to start building relationships because I was like, why, why would anybody want to have a relationship with somebody who's just average? And so I had this label that just gripped me, it, it imprisoned me. What's the negative label 
that follows your name. Maybe it's doormat. Maybe you're so nice. Maybe you're so nice, people just walk right all over you. Maybe it's lazy. Maybe you remember years ago you were sitting around watching a movie and somebody called you lazy and it just stuck because you were like, man, maybe I am. And it never left. And you, you, you've got that label sitting there. Um, what about you're the hothead? You're the one with the temper, right? Nobody wants to mess with you. And, uh, and everybody knows it, right? Everybody knows who is the hothead in the room. And maybe that's your label. Maybe you're the dork. Nobody takes you seriously because you just can't get serious about anything. Maybe um, you're the one who's not good with money, right? Retail therapy, everybody knows you're the one who likes to shop. You spend the money. You got all the nice stuff. Maybe you're the party person. We all know who that is. Um, you know, the person at the party, right, that's falling all over the furniture. They're, it's always the same person, right? Uh, maybe you're the wild guy that never gets serious or like me. Maybe you're the average Joe. Um, here's what I want to tell you tonight, and we're just going to look. I won't talk very long at all, um, but God's power is bigger than your past. God's power is bigger than your past. And it took me years. I, it's something like when, when I was looking at this and I was like, man, I don't know that I feel qualified to talk about getting past my past. Because like my past is, it, I, I don't think it's something that you, um, you know, this whole idea of getting past your past. It's not something that just happens and it's done. It's like a, an ongoing thing. It's a process. It's something you continue to do. God's power is bigger than your past. His truth is bigger than what might have been true in the past or the present about you. Here's what I want you to know. We, we, uh, we jumped into the song. It wasn't planned. Um, Jenna did an amazing job. Um, you, the song called You Say. And I love that song because it's all about, God, what do you say? What labels have you given me? Like how, how have you defined who I am versus the, the lies and the experiences and the tragic losses and things like that that have defined who I am. Um, Jeremy said this. We say it a lot, and I love it. You're under no obligation to be the same person you were five minutes ago. You are under no obligation to be the same person you were five minutes ago. We can change Maybe, uh, maybe that label has a little bit of truth in it. This is where it kind of hurts, right? Because my average Joe label kind of had some truth that actually had a lot of truth in it. And, and uh, it, you know, I, I had to come to grips with the reality that, that that's, that's a label, but it doesn't define me. It doesn't define me. And so what I'm asking God for you for this week, I believe as we go through the series, getting past your past, that we're going to discover new ways that we can um, work through some of these terrible experiences that we've had, some of these labels, some of these, these, cat, these um, categorizations that people have given us or, 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 or things that they've called us. Um, I believe during this series, we're going to learn some really neat um, strategies for how we can you know, face the lies with the truth that God gives us in his word 
and who he says that we are. So I'm asking God, praying for you guys that he will give you a new God-centered view of who you are based on 2 Corinthians 5.17. I love this. I love it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. It's here. It's right now. It's here. That's the thing that I had to learn was that, yes, I had been through all these horrible things. Yes, I had hurt people. Yes, I had broken relationships. Yes, I, I did some jobs like, you know, that were just stupid. I did all these things. Yes, those things are true. And yet I am a new creation. And it's crazy because I, I experienced that in the truck as I'm driving down the road calling my parents. I'm I'm crying and I'm just like, I can't do this anymore because I'm different. I can't even explain it. But my heart breaks for things that it didn't break before. God was changing my heart. You are a new creation. So I don't know if you're here tonight and you know Jesus. Um, if you do. If you would consider yourself a Christ follower, if you've surrendered his, to his purposes for your life, here's what I want you to know. Number one is that God is going to give you a new name. He's already given it to you. Isaiah 62.3, you will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. He will replace your old title, and he's going to give you a new name. The crazy thing is, is that we see this all throughout Scripture. We see it in so many different places. Uh, it's like I want to do a series on all the different uh, places where God gives people new names. Think about um, this couple, Abram and Sarai. They wanted a kid. They wanted a, a, a child. God entered into covenant with them, and he said, I'm going to give you offspring. I'm going to make you the father of nations, right? So they heard this thing, and they thought, man, we're so old. Um, we can't have kids, and, and it was just crazy, and they longed, and they longed, and they longed for them, and God gave them a new name. He changed their name to Abraham and Sarah. Now, here's what's cool. Okay, um, take, the, take the name for God, Yahweh, and the, the vowel that's inside the name Yahweh, he put, them, he put that vowel in their name when he went into covenant with Abraham and Sarah. So now Abraham and Sarah, they have the very name of God in their name. That's crazy. They have the very name of God in their name. And he said, I'm going to make you a father of nations. And that's exactly what he did. Um, Saul, you guys know Saul, right? Um, he was the champion of Yahweh. He was, he was the devoted Jew. He, um, he grew up in um, the Greek Hellenistic culture, so he was very educated, but he was also a Jew, so he was zealous. And, and, and um, you know, he kind of gets a bad rap for, you know, what he did to Christians. But, man, this guy was a passionate Jew. He was great at being a Jew. And... Um, and he loved God, Yahweh, so much. And then he had an encounter with Jesus Christ on this road. And Jesus gave him a new name. And then he became the champion of the gospel to the Gentiles. Luke 7, this is probably my favorite. Luke 7, this woman, we don't know her actual name, but um, Jesus went to this house of Simon the Pharisee, and 
it was, um, they would dine in the, in the courtyard and it was common that poor folks would come in from the street and they would collect the leftovers and a woman comes in and we don't know her name, but it says that they knew that she was a woman of ill repute, that she was a sinful woman. We don't really know the entirety of what that means other than she obviously had a reputation and they're um, kind of scolding Jesus for his attention that he gives to her and allowing her to worship him. She comes in and she's worshiping him. She obviously had an encounter with him previously and she sought him out and she said, I need to worship the Savior. And then she goes in there and she does that. She worships him. She uh, breaks perfume and she cries and her tears fall on Jesus. And Jesus calls her forgiven. He calls her forgiven. Some of you um, may know that name for yourself, forgiven. I have it tattooed on my shoulder. And I get, the funny thing is I got that tattoo before I think I was actually forgiven. <laughs> I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I was a fan, not a follower. And then I thought I would represent by getting all these stupid tattoos, and then I realized I'm just faking it. But now I'm forgiven. Now it's my testimony. Maybe your title that God gives you is overcomer. I know relationships with so many of you guys, you have fought and fought and fought health issues, um, family issues, relationship issues, and maybe your testimony, your label, what God says about you is that you are an overcomer. Maybe it's a leader. You're a leader in the community. You're a natural leader, and, and um, maybe you don't feel called into, um, like, vocational ministry, but you know God's calling you to X, Y, Z. Um, I heard biology earlier. Maybe a, a, a person is uh, working for the government in a, bio, uh, in a uh, you know, position there, and they can be a leader leading people to the gospel in their place of work, in their in their their vocation. Um, next, with a new name comes a new purpose. With a new name comes a new purpose. Um, so this is kind of crazy, right? Jesus meets this guy. So he's going around, he's looking for his disciples, okay? He's picking out his disciples and he meets this guy named Simon. Simon's a fisherman. And he says, look, I want you to follow me and I want you to stop being a fisher of fish and I want you to be a fisher of men, right? And so um, Simon says, okay, boom. So he goes and he follows Jesus. Later on, they're walking down the road and they're having, um, you know, all the disciples are having an argument and uh, they're talking about, well, you know, like all these people are saying Jesus is a rabbi, he's a teacher, he's a good person. And Jesus turns to Simon and he says, who do you say that I am? And Simon says, you are the Christ. And Jesus says, the Holy Spirit has led you to that. So what's crazy is right there, Matthew 16, 17, Jesus gives him a new name. He calls him Peter. And that name means rock. And he says, it's on this rock that I'm going to build my church. But what's crazy is that Jesus gives Peter a new name, but he doesn't, like, change immediately. 
He doesn't change immediately. In fact, he continues to fail. What is Peter, like, unfortunately, this is what, one of the things that he's known for is the fact that he denied Christ three times in such a crucial moment when the Savior is going to the cross, the Savior of the world, and Peter knows that he's the Christ, he's the Messiah. Peter already knows that, and yet he still denies him. He failed over and over. And Jesus rose from the grave and he goes and he finds his friend Peter and he actually makes him breakfast on, on the, um, the side of the um, Sea of Galilee. They were already fishing again. They thought, man, we failed. Jesus got crucified and, um, and here we are. And Jesus goes and finds him and he's making him breakfast and he says, I want you to feed my sheep. And he forgives him and he restores him. And through that conversation, Peter was invited to be the guest speaker at Pentecost. So just a short bit later, Jesus has ascended and the the Holy Spirit's being poured out. And it is none other than this guy, Peter, who stands up boldly and preaches the gospel and leads 3,000 people to a saving relationship with the Father. What a beautiful story. When he was martyred, they said, we're going to hang him on a cross just like we did Jesus. And he said, no, I'm not worthy of that. I want you to hang me upside down. And so he was crucified upside down because he felt like he wasn't even worthy to, to meet physical earthly death in the same way that Jesus did. He wasn't born a rock, but he died a rock. Lastly, God will give you a new future. So a new name, a new purpose, and a new future. Um, Joshua 2, we hear about this lady named Rahab. And out of the eight times that her name is mentioned, six times there's a, a label that she's given of prostitute. And um, as Joshua sent spies into Jericho um, before they were going to go take on Jericho, he sent spies in there. Rahab, this person who, you know, Scripture is quick to tell you that she is the lowest rung in society. She protected these spies that were in there to the threat of her own death. And, uh, and you guys know the story, right? Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, right? Um, God delivered Jericho to the, to the Israel, uh, Israelites. And, um, but here's what's cool. Here's what's cool. Okay, this lady who, all, the, the title, the title, the label, she's, she's a prostitute, all this, blah, 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 blah. Right? This woman, God sent her a man named Salmon. And they married and they had this guy named Boaz. You guys remember Boaz? Maybe. We went through Ruth. Yeah, that's the same Boaz. The same Boaz that married Ruth, who became the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus Christ. How cool is that? God gives us a new future. He has a legacy for each and every one of you. 
that when you um, step into his purposes for your life, no matter what it is, you step into that legacy that he's been creating, that he's been drawing you to step into, encouraging you through circumstances, hardships, people in your life, people praying for you, loving on you. And he's saying, look, I want you to step into my purposes for your life. And you're going you're gonna to see that these labels have no power over you. I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a new purpose, and I'm going to give you a new future. And I've shared this before, but it was when I came to Colorado, and I'm doing all this stuff. I'm trying to just make ends meet while I'm at Bible school, and I'm all alone. All my family's on the East Coast, and I'm like, God, would you just provide? And then I get a phone call from um, the intake prof at our school, and he says, hey, I'd like for you to come and preach for um, this, this church. The pastor, she's got fibromyalgia, and she really needs a break, and, and I want you to to go out there, and I said, okay, great, and I called my folks, and I'm freaking out, and I'm like, this, man, this is the first time I'm going to preach, I don't even know what I'm going to talk about, I don't know what I'm going to do, I've never written a sermon before, and, um, and so I'm talking to my, my folks, and they're like, well, is it, you know, where, where is it, and I said, I don't know, he said, it's like a, a little house out east, or a little, um, little church out east, it's real small, so that'll be good, you know, and, and uh, good first, first place, and uh, I found out that this place was um, Kiowa Church of the Nazarene. And it just so happened that it was the first place that my dad preached 30 years previous. God has a legacy for you. A new name, a new purpose, and a new future. And he just wants you to step into it. Let's pray. Father, we just, we love you. We look back over the years and we see your fingerprint all over our lives. We see the incredible ways that you've been drawing us to you for years and years and years. And you have been putting together this this beautiful legacy, this life, this purpose, this future that you want us to step into. And so many times we let those lies, those labels that we've bought into over the years hold us back from stepping in to your purposes for us. So God, right now I just pray, um, God, that anyone here that has that label, if they're thinking about it right now, God, I just pray that you would break and that you would bind those labels, God, because we rebuke the, um, the label and the lies of the enemy in the strong name of Jesus Christ. God, and we, um, together tonight, we just call upon you and we ask that you would show us what you say that we are. And that you would give us a foothold in um, this battle against the enemy and the ways that he's trying to deceive us and that we can feel freedom and strength to just step into that purpose that you have for us. And little by little, we muster some strength and some encouragement and we begin to see our past actually in our rearview mirror just fading away. 
Jerusalem. Better yet, we see it as those, those parts of who we have become, not in a bad way, but you use those, um, those pieces, those experiences. You bring beauty from ashes, and, and, and you bring us, and you mold us into a person that trusts you and, and is uniquely created for exactly what you have put before us. So God, help us to just say yes tonight. If there's anybody here who's thought about it, who's considered it, maybe they've known it in the back of their mind for 20 years like I did. Just, I knew it. I was just running away from it. Would you let tonight be the night that we can say yes to you? Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe there's someone here who doesn't know you, but they want to step into that legacy. And the first step is knowing you. God, would you let tonight be the night that they say yes? We just love you, Jesus. Amen.